Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. If this is your first time, we say a special welcome to you and say thanks for checking us out. And I want to invite you to click on the digital connection card up in the corner and just let us know who you are and how we can pray for you. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and say thanks too for being part of our online experience. A couple of things we want you to know about this week. Again, we're kind of excited, more than kind of, we're really excited for our friend Harold Myers as he gets ready to celebrate his 100th birthday. And man, after last week being on Cleveland TV, I guess a couple times, I know the mailbox was full. But if you didn't get a chance to be part of that, I want to invite you to get a birthday card or a note card and send it to Harold. And you can send it to Harold Myers, care of P.O. Box 310, Ontario, Ohio, 44862. And the link is here for that address and the worship notes in case that was too quick. And then I also want to share with you that we're continuing our conversations across the presbytery. Partly we're calling this the West Side Conversation, only to help localize the conversation because the Muskingum Valley Presbytery is so large. But we've invited churches to come and their elders and members to be part of a, a casual conversation over what we're calling Church Next. Uh, we'll have a lunch tomorrow on Monday at noon, and if you're in the area and want to be part of that, we're going to be talking about where we're going as a denomination locally and how to talk about things that matter to our local churches and looking at new models of ministry and how we can work cooperatively together. We've had a number of conversations, and they've been incredibly productive. And so we're confident this next conversation will be just one more step in that uh, process. We're in this series called Witness. We really haven't got into the how-to of what to do to witness. Mostly I've been trying to just lay out some rocks that I think we have to navigate around in the stream of life of how to be a witness, the things that need to be in place in our life and in the culture even more importantly. Not the worldly culture, but in the culture that we're trying to develop in our churches that we're welcoming and to understand where people are coming from. So last week, we uh, leaned into a book from our friend, Pastor Derwin Gray in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I actually knew Derwin from a, a life previous to his lead pastoring. He was a football player and did some videos for a national student ministry group a number of years ago. I'd like to share just this one video. Here at the National Institute for Student Ministries, we've discovered a new method of evangelism that is shaking the very foundation of our thinking. It may appear unorthodox, but frankly, we're shocked with the results. We're amazed at this revolutionary idea, especially designed to boost student evangelism. Why did I want to be the evangelism linebacker? Well, let me put it to you like this. Yeah, baby! Next time I'm going to hit you so hard, you're going to go into flight. NASA's going to think I didn't launch a satellite. You see, as a fish was created to swim in water, as a bird was created to fly, I was created to knock people out who don't evangelize. The evangelism linebacker deals directly with a variety of students' fears associated with sharing their faith. All right, it's all you. This house has got your name on it. I'm not ready yet. What makes you think I'm ready, though? Fear of rejection, for example. Let me talk to you about fear. Fourth and one, Jerry Rice, what you gonna do? That don't compare to fourth and one in eternity. It doesn't matter who rejects us because we're always accepted by Christ. God loves you. Get off the flow and go door to door. Can we talk to you for a minute? I'm a lover, not a fighter, baby. He loves you, but it might hurt. Sometimes I'll blow you up, but it's because I love you. 
Yeah, but just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I need to be out sharing my faith. I mean, ah! Don't you run from me! You can't escape my grasp! D-Gray will throw you in the trash! Thanks to the evangelism linebacker, campus evangelism nationwide is up 87%. Ah, thank you, Mr. Gray. I'll never do it again! Hey, I can't go to the outreach today. I got, I just got some more important things I gotta do. Uh-huh. Hey man, give me a break. I went to church on Sunday. I gotta go. Selfishness! The world needs a message! For God to love the world, he wants to communicate it through you! If you procrastinate, you will open up the gate to a beatdown! Give me that phone, boy! When I see selfishness, it is my job to blow them up. That's what I do. I blow them up so that they can get their eyes off of self and look at Christ, the prize. What's up, baby girl? Nah, I'm busy. We're intrigued, as the linebacker is particularly effective in infiltrating centers of cultural and intellectual exchange. Here you go, here's your double cappuccino latte mocha with a twist. Not too hot, not too cold. Perfect for you. Anyway, man, did you hear that talk from that guy the other night? Oh, I know. Like, we were supposed to be sharing our faith in, like, coffee shop. Whoa! Whoa! Shut out in a coffee shop, baby! You next! It's unlikely that the recent decline in coffee sales has anything to do with our program. Pride comes before the fall. That's Old Testament. Old Testament, you know this. Thanks for the coffee, Darren. Hey, you're welcome. Have a nice day. Yo, mama raised you better than this boy. Don't let me blow you up no more. You see, I think it's fitting because when people have pride, that they're too prideful to share their faith, what I do is I knocks the pride out of them. What I would like to communicate to my brothers and sisters is this. When you least expect, Around the corner, perhaps even under your bed, I can be in a phone wire. I can be everywhere and just know that I'm always watching. Ready to lay the boom on you, baby. Booyah! Ouch. Are you ready for game day? Right. So when we think of evangelism, this is not what I'm talking about. Although we are going to talk about pain this morning and the role that pain can play in our witness. Uh, but I'm not talking about the pain that we would inflict on others as we try to share the gospel. Although I think uh, what Derwin did in this video sort of gets our attention, correct? When we think about our own stories and we think about where we've been over the last couple of years, especially how things have become very poignant in our lives, uh, beginning first with the lockdown. And the truth is, the amazing thing about most of where we've been the last two years is it isn't just about the problem that we're dealing with in our life, but the truth is it's global. And it's with people across the world have all gone through this similar kind of pain together. And this pain that we've been in is on a sliding scale, obviously, and there's some that are experiencing it more in more ways than other. And yet the reality is for some people, the pain has been off the charts. We know that many people have been impacted by COVID-19, maybe personally, or you know somebody that's been, where their health has been compromised. And we know people who have lost their jobs or their businesses. and. We know that financially things aren't exactly the best we want them to be. And even in fact, this week, as I filled up uh, our little car, normally it would take 25, 26 bucks to fill it up here a couple months ago, but it was over $50 this week. And it's like, wow. And when that happened, as I was pumping, putting the pump away on, uh, it just brought to mind the fact that I'm grateful for employment that allows me 
monies for the ability to pay for that gas, but how so many people are struggling to be able to do even that. And then we think about, just as we've mentioned in our conversations here over the many months about just where people are with the mental health and how we've been isolated and that we know in our communities people have turned to drugs and alcohol to medicate and to cover up just the pain of what all these last couple years have been. And then you think about the racial issues and just all the difficulties that came out of the election and now we're back into another election cycle and it it just all the things are there. And then again, the financial stuff that's going on. And then somewhere there's a war going on, right, in the Ukraine. And many of us are more aware of the pain than we want to be because of just where we've been. And I think many of us were hoping that when we got to summertime 2020, that all the pain would have gone away and that it would actually have been in the distance and we could move into a whole new season. But it doesn't look like it's going to be that. It's going to be difficult. And then I know you're saying, well done there, Pastor Tom. We tuned in for a morning of encouraging word and you've done nothing but give us really darkness. And that's not my intention. I want us to see that all of us are struggling and to have a sense, a common sense that we are together in this thing called life. And yet I want us to know too, and this is where the good comes in, is that God is doing something and he continues to do something and that he may be even using this uncomfortable time we find ourselves in as a way to push life in a whole new direction for you. He can use the pain that we're experiencing. And so today what I want to talk about are how I think there is a purpose to our pain. It was interesting this week I had a conversation uh, with the Family First Council uh, director and Brenda just shared about how there is a purpose in our pain. And I went, wow, that, that's an amazing thing that you would say that because that's exactly what I want to preach on this week because I, I think as we look at the things that we're trying to understand in our culture and our community, that it's that understanding that the pain isn't just wasted, that it's actually something that can help us be more aware of a life that we're looking for. I know there's many more purposes to our pain, but I, I'm going to just look at two reasons today of why I think painful things exist in our life. We all go to, in these moments, Romans 8.28, right? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, it's important to be reminded that all is all in the original Greek. It means all, everything, inclusive, all y'all, if you want to say. I know that when we think about that and we look at this and we think about the season we've been in, and if you've lost a loved one, I don't want to say that's a good thing. Or if you're struggling with your finances or there are issues at home, I don't want to say that's a good thing either. What I want to say is that even in the midst of that, that God can bring good out of that, even in the most darkest of circumstances. I have to be honest, I don't know how he's always going to do that, but I know he's going to do that. On this side of heaven, we may never really see what it is that he's going to do, but this much we know, the Bible says it's true. And so that's where we lean into. And we know that the Bible doesn't change. The Bible, in fact, it's true. It's God's word. What you can do even today is to be able to say, God, I believe you're going to use this circumstance for your good. What I think needs to happen is not just stop and ask the question why, but go a little bit deeper and ask the question what. God, what is it you want to do in this season? What do you want to accomplish in my life? What are you trying to do in this particularly painful circumstance? Uh, What is it, God, that you want to see in my life? What are you growing me up to be? I think if we can move from the why to this idea of what, then we can begin to see these two purposes I want to look at this morning in our lives. And so that's what we're going to talk about today.
the, the purpose of pain. The first purpose of pain is that God uses our pain to get our attention. God uses the painful situations in our lives to wake us up and to make us aware that something's not right. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, says this, We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. Man, isn't that so true? You know, it's reality is that God whispers to us in our pleasures, and he, he speaks in our conscience, but he literally shouts in our pain. And it's his megaphone, if you will, to rouse a world that's deaf. God is going to allow us to go through some painful circumstances so that we can turn our hearts back to him. Now what I want us to be aware of is there are two different kinds of pain. First one is caused by sin. It's our mistakes. It's the way that we live. It's the way that we live outside of God's will, out of his purposes, that allows us to go and even causes us to go through pain. And then there's another painful situation that is no fault of our own. It's something that somebody does to us or something does to us. And we need to distinguish between those two. We need to see that when we're in a painful situation, we need to ask, and it's always a good thing to ask, God, have I done something that's caused this painful situation? Have I done something wrong? We know the Bible says to us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And again, when we see that word all, it means y'all, that all of us, all of us have made our mistakes. We've blown it and our sin. We, we've allowed that to hurt ourselves and to actually hurt other people. But we can thank God that he sent Jesus to forgive us and to make us right of our sin. Now, that doesn't mean that our sin isn't going to still have some kind of consequence because of the choice we made. But when we go through a painful time, we need to at least say, God, is this something I've caused? And it might be and it may not be. Think of it this way. It's like a toothache. If you've ever had a toothache, you know that it doesn't usually start with some kind of mind-numbing, uh, searing pain, right? It, it starts little by little. And if you ignore it, and the truth is you have a choice to ignore it, but you know this much, the longer you ignore it and put it off, the worse the uh, end result's going to be. You can take a little ibuprofen and numb the pain, but if you leave it untreated and don't deal with the core issue, it's going to be a point where all of a sudden it's going to be a problem. You tend to feel better, but the pain's going to grow. And it's going to take more ibuprofen and, and it's going to take, or have to take it more and more often. And eventually it's going to get so bad that you're going to have to go to the dentist and, and deal with it. And it's going to probably end up doing a thing called a root canal. And we know none of that is pleasant. Yet what we could do, and even though a root canal is not only painful, it's also expensive, we could have, when the pain was small, started trying to deal with it then. But instead what we do is we let the pain lengthen in our lives and, and we actually suffer longer with it. And it actually can be a more painful experience by neglecting it than if we would have dealt with it right at the moment. And that's where we go to the simple question when we're going through pain is, God, is this something that I could have caused? And it may be that we need to turn back to God. The writer of Lamentations says in chapter 3, verse 40, let us examine our ways and test them, and then let us return to the Lord. So there's this choice we have. Whenever something like this happens, if we're reminded of our sin, we can either run to God or we can run away from God. It's really the only two choices we have. And what happens is when we step out of God's will, when we sin, we're going to feel completely guilty. Now, that guilt is actually a God-given emotion that comes from the Holy Spirit. We're going to celebrate Pentecost here in a couple of weeks, where the Holy Spirit comes and his purpose is to convict us of our sin and to basically say, hey, 
you're not doing what I want you to do. And that's when we deal with the idea of, of guilt. And it helps to move us back into God's purposes, back into God's will, back into God's desire for us, into his plan. And yet sometimes if we go through this guilt, we can also, and I see this so many times with some of the people I work with, is that they slip into condemnation where the Bible says for us as Christ followers that there is no condemnation for us, those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So the question comes when you think about condemnation, which is that I don't measure up, I'm not worthy, I'm just a sinner. But to see that there is a difference between condemnation and guilt. You know, guilt basically causes me to run to God and condemnation causes me to run away from him. So when we go through hard times, it is, if it's something we've done, then we get to do this. We do this thing called repentance, where we say, God, can you help me change? It's basically doing a 180. You were moving in one direction, and you say, God, I'm done with this. I want to move in the other. Uh, or maybe it's better that you were moving backwards, and you really want to move forward. But we want God to help us to change. And here's the thing that sometimes when we're going through a difficult time, that it may not be to any fault of our own. And I think this season where we've been for so many of us these last two years, it's that time that we're not guilty of having done something wrong. We didn't start the coronavirus, yet at the same time, we're still all feeling the suffering of that. And it's so it's in those situations that we still need to lean on God. The reality is that for most of us, I think, at least for me, when things are good in my life, I tend to have a tendency to lean less on God and more on my own power. And you see, that's where we get ourselves in trouble. I think I, I have to be honest, I tend to have a, a thought that, well, I've, I've got this, it's, I've got it all together, I, I can f- actually figure it out. And then when things are bad, it's then I'm forced to lean on God. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. And I think, too, all this season of our life, over these last number of years especially, that many of us are just have just clung on to God and hoping that it would all turn. What I'm trying to do and what I hope you're trying to do is to learn how to keep doing that, to lean on God in, in the good times. Because you know what happens? You cling to God, and then he's going to help you, and you're going to get stronger, and you'll feel a little bit better. And now maybe you'll offer a prayer before dinner, or maybe you'll jump into a version Bible plan, or maybe even show up at church. That'd be a wonderful thing. But you see, the reality is, too, that we're not really taking our faith seriously. And so I hope I'm not the only one. But when you go go through more painful times, you're going to come right back to God, and you need to lean on him. What I think would be a great way to live is if we just stayed leaning on God. And I think of a great song, a hymn, that reminds us of that, right? Leaning on the everlasting arms. Even during the good times, you see. Because then, maybe when pain jumps up on us, and shows up in our lives, we know to go to him right away. And so even in painful and difficult situations that are totally out of our control, we can still lean on God, and he'll use that pain to get our attention to focus on him. Now, we know about the Apostle Paul, right? He probably was the greatest follower of Jesus. He wrote the majority of the New Testament, and his letters written to ancient churches are still as as real for us today as it was for them then. And Paul tells us that he had a thorn in the flesh. We've talked about this before. And we've said that we don't know exactly what that was, but what did Paul say in response to that? Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, But Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul said, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, 
so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow, Paul says he boasts in my weakness. You see, it's in that moment that God's power is made perfect when we come to him and we admit we don't have it all together. God will use the pain to show us his power and it will be made perfect, we're told. We can come here with him and say, God, this is a really painful situation I'm in. And God says, you know what? You're right. Let me help you with that because my power is available to you when you admit you can't do it on your own. So in this season, we found ourselves, you can go through pain and God's going to use that to get your attention and to draw you to him. And yes, we want to come near to Jesus. And then, as we mentioned last week, it's this idea that when you're dancing with, in the rhythm of grace, there's going to be other people around you that want that kind of movement, if you will, that kind of rhythm in their own lives. And it makes you able to share the hope that lies within you. It's interesting that Jesus' brother James in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 8 says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Because you see what we see here is we don't serve a God who's far off, who's indifferent, and who says, you know what? Uh, you need to figure this out on your own. I'm, I'm out of here. No, here's the beauty of this. God says, I'm right here. Come near me and I will come even nearer to you. And then it's in those moments that we find power and mercy and grace and we're able to overcome these things. It doesn't mean that life's going to get easier. It doesn't mean that pain's going to go away. But it does mean that we have a power greater than ourselves that can help us. And we're no longer depending on our own ability, our own limited power, but we're depending upon God's eternal unlimited power that's available to us through the Holy Spirit. You know what? That's just amazing to know that. So here's what I want you to do. As pain comes up in your life, and it, it will, I would ask you to run to God and go right to him. Now, if you realize it's because of something you've done, then you need to repent and go to him and you'll find this mercy and grace he offers. If it's something that's been done to you, you still need to lean on him. He's going to use that pain to get our attention. And when we do, we don't have to be timid in front of God. The writer of Hebrews says, chapter 4, verse 16, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know what that means? We can walk right up to God's throne with confidence. We can say, I know you're going to help me in this time, God. And like I said, it may not go all go away overnight. It may not go away ever. But we can know with confidence that God's going to give us his power. Now, the first purpose of pain in our lives is that God uses it to get our attention. But the second purpose of pain in our lives is it actually prepares us to serve other people. And I think this is such a cool concept because it means our pain matters. Because I don't know about you, but I often wonder how I can tell people about what God has done for me. I mean, think about this. Paul writes again here in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. Listen, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You see, there's this amazing legacy in this cycle of comfort. Because the reality is you and I are going to go through hard times and we know that God's going to show up and comfort us. And then as he comforts us, then we get to go to other people and serve them with the comfort that we have found. Now, that is just an amazing truth. This is mind-blowing to me, and I've seen it too many times. Out of my pain and discomfort, when I lean into my relationship with God and he comforts me, it gives me strength and confidence to go share that comfort with other people. 
And that's just a beautiful thing. So here we are, down to this idea, there's two purposes to our pain. The first is that God uses our pain to get our attention. And then God takes our, our pain to prepare us to serve other people. I find that when I lean into whether I'm talking about just being a human being, just doing simple things, and I'm real. And as I mentor young men, as I come alongside some amazing men who are trying to figure out how to be better dads, when I share with them that I don't have it all together, I think that really changes the dynamic of our relationship. Because I want you to see too, though, that there's nothing special about me, but there's this amazing thing about who Jesus is and what he can do. And so when we share our pain, we can share then about the comfort that we found. And this is why how we witness is so important. And when we have empathy and are able to share where someone else is at, without judgment, we are then given the ability to go tell people about how God has helped us. And then what ends up happening from that is he draws them into a relationship with himself because of that. So when you tell people how God has helped you, you become real to them because we're not trying to pretend, we're not perfect, we're not trying to pretend that somehow we're, we've got it all together. All of us struggle, that we've never gone through a painful time. When we say, no, we have, I've needed God's comfort, and here's how he showed up for me. It's in those moments that the witness takes a whole new turn. And people are drawn to that. And if they have a relationship with Jesus already, then they actually may come back to him. And if they haven't, they may say, hey, I, I want that kind of comfort in my life. And that's where we get to bless people and to serve them. We get to find comfort, and we get to comfort other people. They find comfort, and then they comfort other people, and it keeps going and going and going and going. And that's why it's so important that we don't try to go through any of this alone, which is just a way of saying you need to be connected. It's a way of saying that we need to be in the church. We need to be in fellowship. I'm grateful that we have a couple small groups, one that meets here on Thursday for Bible study and just doing life together, and another group that meets here on Wednesday nights, how important it is. And then there's other things you have to do with maybe seeking out counseling or therapy if you're struggling. And the reality is we don't do any of this on our own, that as you go through the pain, God wants to use it for other people who are in your life so that you can give them comfort. And then he wants to you to comfort other people from that strength that you get. So I just want to land on these two ideas, these two purposes of pain. God uses our pain to get our attention, and then he uses our pain to prepare us to serve other people. Now, one of the things that becomes really clear in this moment is, and we've spent weeks talking about this, is that we begin to see very clearly that Jesus cares deeply about our pain. We need to see and be reminded that we don't serve a God who's far off, who says to us, you just need to get it together and figure it out. But actually, we have a God who what? He stepped out of heaven. I just continue to go back to this idea. He took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He came into our world, the incarnation, Jesus. He does that. Why? So we can be made right with God. He offers up his life as, as a sacrifice for us so that we can have forgiveness of our sins and that we could be used by him to help other people. And as we think about what we celebrate at Christmas each year, right? That Jesus steps out of heaven into our world and that I think we sometimes get so wrapped up in all that that we miss the idea that we need to really focus on the fact that Jesus did that because he loves you. I know as a kid, I grew up on that song, right? We sang, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. 
Yeah, those simple words are so true and they're so amazingly powerful, but they also can become a crutch or they can become something that we sort of just lean on in a bad sort of way. Oh yeah, I know that truth, but I don't know that it's actually changed my life. But I want you to think about it this way. The God of the universe who spoke the world into existence loves you. What? <laughs> Did you hear that? The God who said, let there be light and spoke the world into, I mean, think about that. Try it right now. Just try to say maybe uh, Big Mac. Yeah, that's not going to happen, right? Nothing's going to show up. We don't have that kind of power, but God does. And that the God who created the world and who holds it all together, he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you so that you could be made right with him. And I need to say that Jesus cares deeply about our pain, about your pain. In First Peter, the writer says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know what? It's so small, but it's so dense, right? If we were told that we could cast our anxiety on him, that means I don't have to pretend like I have it all together when I come to Jesus. So many of us put on the mask and say, no, I, I'm good. I'm okay. Everything's just fine. But the reality is with Jesus, we can come to him and we can confess that we're not okay and that our struggles are difficult and that I can tell him what I am worried about. And I love that word in the scripture here, the word cast. You know what it means? It's like throwing. You know, here's all my anxiety. We just throw it all at him. But why? Why do we do it? Because the scriptures tells us because he cares for you. And that is just an amazing truth. As I think about this idea and as I've pondered it, this really has changed the way I think about how God cares about my pain. That he literally cares about the pain I'm going through. And he cares about the pain you're going through and that Jesus came so you would have a full life. He says in John chapter 10, 10, it's one of my favorite verses, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Boom. That's the truth, right? Think about that. For many, for too long, I think that verse has meant that someday in heaven we'll have this full, beautiful life. But what Jesus is saying, no, I mean right now. This is the full life, and it is available to you right now. I care about your pain. Now, just in closing here, I just think one more thought I want to send out because we're coming up on Father's Day next month. But you know, one of the most amazing words that God uses for himself is the word Father. This is one of his favorite titles. He tells us even to pray to him that way, to start out our prayer, Father. When Jesus prayed, he used the word in a much more intimate way. It's the word Abba, which means daddy. Now, there's a lot of titles I have in my life, but I love that idea of dad. And I'm dad to only three people. And to be honest, my kids are older now, but I, I love that being called dad when the phone rings. It just means a lot. It talks about that special intimate relationship that is between me and them. And I think what God is saying here in such a clear way, come to me like a father. And I know so many people have maybe a negative experience with your earthly father, but I want to say this. He may have been absent or he may have even been abusive, but even if he was amazing, here's what I want to say. I want to encourage you not to confuse your earthly father with your heavenly father because even really good earthly dads are still broken people. I'll be the first to admit I don't quite understand life. But the beauty of this is that our Heavenly Father is perfect. God is the perfect Father who loves perfectly, and we know we can come to His throne, and we can come to Him with confidence and boldness, just like you'd come to your own uh, loving dad. And you can say, Dad, I'm struggling. I'm going through a hard time. And He doesn't say, hey, get out of here. 
But what does he say? He says, I love you. God's going to say, let's talk about it. I'm using this pain for your benefit. I'm going to cause all things to work together for your good. Come draw near to me. Let's get closer together during this pain. Let's correct some things in your life. And even if it's not your fault, let's sit together because I care so much about your pain. And then when you're through this painful situation, you know what? I want you to use it to give other people that same comfort that you've found. God is going to use this pain and the pain that's coming, because we all know if we're not in it right now, there's one some difficulty that's coming our way. He's going to use it for his glory and for his good. That's the promises from Scripture. So I want to encourage you, let him. In this moment, run to God. Don't avoid going to your Father, but run to Him and say simply, is there something I need to work on in my life? And if not, just let me sit closer. And if so, let me repent and let me work on that because Jesus, you've already forgiven me. And then you can ask, God, who do you want to show me to serve? Who do you want me to comfort during these times? Where can I take my pain and offer strength to someone else? Where can I take what I've experienced and my comfort from you and I can offer it to somebody else, especially in these times. Again, if we stop asking why, but moved asking what, and then maybe even who, we can see there are purposes for pain in our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you so much. God, your word says that we should pray in all circumstances, and that means when it's good and bad. And so, God, I pray for everyone, everyone who's watching and hearing this, because we're all going through some kind of pain at the same time. We're all on that scale. Some of us, our pain is off the charts. Some of us, our pain feels like it's not that big of a deal. But when we close our eyes and we're honest, we can say, yeah, we're hurting. And Father, I know you want to use that pain. God, I know you want to use that pain to get our attention. You want to be intimately involved in our lives and you want us to run to you. You don't want us to try to figure it out on our own. And so God, I pray that this pain that we're all going through but cause us to run to you, not from you. And God, I know that you want to comfort us. And so I pray that as you comfort us, you will bring other people in our lives that we can comfort out of that comfort we've received. God, don't let us rush through any of this. Let us sit and let you take care of us and love us like a loving father. God, thank you. Thank you that you want to use this pain for our good. God, I know that we may not see this for a while and it doesn't mean that this pain is good, but it means you want to bring good out of it. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.